today on CityCast Denver. Peyton is out on a long weekend, so it's me, Bree, and Alexandra talking about what it's like to hit the town when the town is getting hit by the Delta variant. Plus, Glendale, the fully loaded nacho stuck in Denver's throat. This is a fun one. Let's get into it. See you on the other side of the theme song. Today is Friday, September 17th, 2021. I'm Paul Caroli, and this is CityCast Denver. Welcome to CityCast Denver. I'm Paul Caroli. It's Friday. We're looking back at the news of the week. I'm here with our host, Bree Davies. Hi, Paul. Welcome back. Thanks for being here. You were just telling us about uh, your favorite breakfast in the city, <laughs> in the whole city, your favorite breakfast. Oh, you make me tell people. Get ready, I love, Denverites. I love McDonald's. <laughs> Actually, it's a combo. I go to the Starbucks drive through and get my coffee, and then I go to McDonald's and get my breakfast, which is a McGriddle, and it's delicious. I'm sorry, Denver. Hey, nothing to apologize for. That's a, that's a badass move, going to... One place for the coffee, one place for the sandwich. Also here this week is Alexandra McMahon, producer on the show. Alexandra, welcome. Hello, hello. You got a favorite breakfast in Denver? Uh, I I feel like mine is also kind of shameful because it's like it's like snooze. Actually, no, no, no. I'll recommend Jelly. Ooh, is that what it's called? Yeah, Jelly's great. On Thirteenth. Yeah, on Thirteenth, next kind of near Wax Tracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They've got good. great breakfast. Their donut holes are. But I mean, if you're Delicious. if 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 you need fast and casual, I mean, no shame on McDonald's. Like Absolutely their breakfast not. has held up for like decades for a reason. <laughs> I feel like I need to give two shout though. Dozens is also my favorite breakfast place, and that's what that's you're what gonna, I was say, gonna dozens. say. Dozens is very. I good. get the DTC at Dozens. It's my favorite. Um, mm. and then the biscuits and gravy at the Denver Diner. R.I.P. My other mm. place. Paul, what's yours? Well, I mean, dozens for sure with with a bullet. I mean, I it's they don't do anything great in my opinion, but it's a great price <laughs> and it's a comfortable spot. Oh, I love it. It's like the 80s in there. It's just like And I mean that in yeah. the most loving way. I enjoy going there because it feels chill in this way that it's lacking pretension. Yeah. Um we got so much good stuff to talk about today. Let's get to our first topic. We want to talk about going out. Like all week, we've been talking about uh, High Plains Comedy Fest this weekend. We did our show at UMS two weeks ago. And around this same time, obviously, the Delta variant is surging. And there's these big concert promoters like AEG in town saying, if you want to come to the concert, you have to be vaccinated. But then there was this other side of the story that came out this week. I just saw this as a, it was a comment on the Denver subreddit. No, the the coronavirus Colorado subreddit. And this is what we wanted to talk about. Someone has posted, it's an anonymous account, has posted an open letter to Fiddler's Green. Um, Bree, do you want to say what Fiddler's Green is for a second before I get into this? So people have a sense of where we're talking about. Um, It's a large outdoor amphitheater in the DTC. Um, It's one of our bigger outdoor venues. Uh, it's it's about three quarters seats and a quarter grass. You can sit in the grass area, but um, yeah, it's just it's a large outdoor uh, concert venue. Alexandra, have you seen a show there? I was gonna say I saw my first concert there ever in my <gasps> Me life. Me too. Wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's been around for a while. So anyway, Paul. <laughs> yeah. Fiddler's so Green. Anyway, Fiddler's Green. <laughs> it's a place where people see their first concerts, outdoor amphitheater. 
And this person online wrote an open letter to Fiddler's Green after an experience they had. Here's how it starts. F you. I've been vaccinated since April 5th. I also have had the CDPHE app, which notifies of exposures to COVID since it was released. Prior to that, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit here, uh, this person says that they've been basically quarantining at home. They're a very risk-averse person, haven't been exposing, allowing themselves to be exposed in any way. Um, but then they go on to say, the 93.3 big gig was an opportunity to finally let my hair down, as the rules required a clean COVID screen at minimum and or proof of a completed vaccination. I felt that the combination of all of the above should have been enough. Legally, I think it should be. Unfortunately, entry was a joke. The person at the gate never checked my vax card, and it's clear that many others were not checked because my phone buzzed twice yesterday with this message. And it's a message saying that they were near somebody else who has the app and tested positive and filed that positive test with the app. So it's a very low undercount of what the likely exposure actually was. And so this person is uh, very upset about this for uh, seems like good reasons, but I think we're all kind of facing this in different ways. So Bree, what what do you think about the state of, of going out and what our expectations are and just all of this stuff around the pandemic right now? Well, I'm thinking about the people that check your tickets at a venue and a show like this, um, whose job it is to enforce this really big mandate. Um, and I would say these are not high paid jobs. Um, I would guess they're not great jobs with benefits <clears throat> or things like that. I mean, like, it's just like sort of a, a low paid job. So these people already have a lot to do. And I don't think that it is fair that we put it on them to do it. I'm not saying they shouldn't do it because also I empathize with this person who wrote this letter. You do all mm -hmm. the things you're supposed to do. I did everything right. And I still mm -hmm. am in this position of being exposed. So uh, to me, this just speaks to the issue of the, these protocols or these regulations need to be statewide mandated for everything that we do if we're going to do it or not. Mm -hmm. Because you're putting mm -hmm. it in the position, you're putting people who have already have stressful jobs in the position of enforcing all of this stuff. And I just don't think that it's fair. So I see the side of the concert goer, absolutely. But I also see a larger issue of how we enforce COVID protocol when it's different everywhere that we go. I, I couldn't agree more. And I feel like it's, it's just like, it's also not effective is part of the problem because of the power dynamic around these interactions. Like these people, wh who wants to be the arbiter of whether or not someone has the friggin' coronavirus. Like, not me. I don't want to be responsible for that. And that's not like, these people, no one's getting paid enough to take on that. It's huge. Anyway, Xandra, what I want to hear from you, you you're a concert goer. I think you've been to a few shows uh, since, I don't know, since the vaccine. I don't know what we're saying these days. What do you think about it? What, should, what, what are your expectations and what would you like? First, I want to start off by saying, Yes, Brie, you're right. Like, and also the people who work these shows, like they, they are, you know, they travel between venues. It's like they might be working a show at Red Rocks and they might be working a show at Fiddlers and then, you know, one of the smaller venues. So like, it's usually like a larger company that like contracts these people out to the venues. Um, and I was, so my last experience at a concert that was, um, I think, I think you could say it's comparable to this 
big gig at Fiddler's. Mm-hmm. You know, I think um, it was at Mission Ballroom, which is a newer venue. Mm-hmm. And I think Fiddler's is maybe a little bit bigger than Mission. But um, Mission is indoors. And similarly, they were requiring proof of vaccination to get in the door or a negative COVID test. And it was really interesting to watch because we got there like three hours before the doors opened because we wanted to be like front row or near the front. And so we were waiting and sitting in line for a long time and watching people trickle in. And they had people going through the line over the course of those three hours, giving people checking their vaccination status and giving people their wristbands. So it was like a very efficient way Hmm. to like keep up and like you know, stay on top of it and not get like this kind of backlog that I'm imagining they had at the big gig Mm. um, where they're just like, just get people in the door as fast as possible, like move the line along. Um, And it was interesting, too, because they they did turn away a lot of people. Really? And I would not want to be that person. Right. Because that's what I'm thinking about. You don't want to. It looks. Yeah. I mean, it would like people get angry. Like I saw a couple instances where they were like, oh, I didn't I, I didn't know I needed a negative COVID test. Like. What are you talking about? Like, and then, you know, they would say like, well, you can go to Walgreens and try and get a rapid test right now. And and they would just like, you know, throw their arms up and get all mad and walk away. And it's like, it's not this person's fault. It's not this person who's being like, I am the reason why you cannot go see this concert. But yeah. And I also think that these, um, you know, these people who are working the shows are probably overworked and understaffed, like because like I was like, else? Oh, like everywhere else and I was overhearing conversations of one woman being like yeah like last night I was at Red Rocks and now I'm here and like she's like you know I'm just like not getting any breaks like it's just like they need people at every show like all over town um I I think that's really like I've been seeing lately a a bit of a resurgence in the talk about this so-called labor shortage and I think that's the element that's left out of that conversation too much when like economists talk about this. Like, why aren't businesses bouncing back? Why why aren't people going back to work? Are people going back to work? And it's like, yeah, when we say the pandemic's not over, it's especially not over for who we used to call frontline workers. And now we just right. don't even think about. And that person that Alexandra interacted with had to have interactions with hundreds of people in one day, hundreds, and potentially dozens of those people having an issue with this thing that they're trying to enforce. Like that is like you're putting yourself in physical danger. Um, You're putting yourself in, I mean, like emotionally and psychologically, it's a lot to anybody who's worked in customer service in any capacity knows the sort of psychological toll that it takes on you. You're battling people's psychological stuff. We all Mm -hmm. are. And when you do customer service in particular, and I think about people like myself and like all of us on this conversation right now, we've been had the extreme privilege of working in our homes on Zoom, honestly, for the majority Mm -hmm. of this pandemic. I don't have to do this every day. I don't know what it feels like. And so that, yeah, like, and and adding that to the labor shortage, shortage conversation, Paul, it's something that you're right, is not taken into account. Like, who wants to do that job unless you absolutely have to? Of course, nobody does. I wouldn't. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah, people people are talking about a $15 minimum wage as some like <laughs> pipe dream still. It's like, that's not even close to enough to be worth it to do this to, horrible, horrible, horrible job. work. No, yeah. Well, and but I do wonder, yeah, like if they made the... Um, 
like vaccination requirements citywide, like, you know, across the board, like, would it make things a little bit easier? Because then people are going in like knowing like I can't get into any fun thing unless I'm vaccinated. Right. Mm-hmm. And then maybe more people would get vaccinated, which, by the way, I looked up the numbers before this. And um, thank you, Denverite. They said that we're at 65 percent right now of our population is vaccinated. 65%. So it's like a little more than half, but that's still a lot of people who are walking around without vaccines yeah. and going to concerts and restaurants and things like that. And um, oh, I'll just add to on the uh, on the flip side of my concert going experiences recently when I was at UMS. Um, similarly, they required uh, proof of vaccination or negative COVID test. But the thing about UMS is it's all along Broadway. And right. unless you're trying to get into the main stage, which is in like the Goodwill parking lot, they were not checking vaccination like in the little bars and stuff because those are just bars that are also happen to be UMS venues. So there's actually like a lot of (laughs) pro tip. There's a lot of free music you can see at UMS if you don't have a ticket and just want to go and hang out on South Broadway. But those are the like that's the gray area where it's like they can't because there's no one checking your tickets. There's no one checking your vaccination status. And then you're in a crowded indoor bar surrounded by people. And I was really worried that I was going to get sick after that. And luckily I didn't. But, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the risk you run when you go to these things, which, like, I totally feel for this um, Fiddler's Green person. But, like, you kind of have to just assume that, like, nowhere is safe right now. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, yeah, I empathize. But at the same time, if 65 percent of the population is currently vaccinated in September of 2021, that's the only like if we're only that far, then, yeah, you've got to have a better expectation of the fact that you're probably going to be exposed. All right, we've been talking about concerts, we've been talking about expectations, we've been talking about that moment where you show the person your ticket or you uh, get your vaccine checked and how fraught that moment is right now. And what if there was a better way? (laughs) Story this week out of Red Rocks is that they're trying out a new biometrics scanner uh, where they're using Amazon technology where you just hover your hand over a glowing blue light and the fine artificial intelligence says you can go in or not. So this is obviously a absolutely bonkers off the wall thing we're doing. Um, Brie, what do you think about this? Again, I mean, this seems rife for profiling, frankly. I mean, what if mm-hmm. it reads, I, I don't. Wh- oh, it's just less effective with dark skin. That's oh, what I'm ooh, saying. Whoops. Like, what if that happens and that is not like that far-fetched of an idea when most things the default is white people so also who is having to do this who again who is in this position of running the scanner someone making 15 dollars an hour that has to oh has to say oh sorry sir your palm didn't scan like oh my god this sounds terrible and also is this really this is where we are like i don't like this idea what is it do you know what it's reading paul like is it can it see i don't get it i i did read how it works uh the way amazon does it is that you uh scan your palm i don't know where you do it i think you sign up for this thing like at one of these stands uh so you scan your palm in and then it's hidden away on in the cloud in an an encrypted area where no one can reach and they match your they create a token uh like you know, we were talking about tokens around NFTs, cryptocurrency, blockchain stuff. They create a token out of your palm scan and it gets an ID number. So when you scan your palm, the only thing that gets registered is the ID number and they match that against whatever your records, your profile says. 
Who knows what any of that means? I like. Does it attach to your it? credit card? Is it attached to your? So, in some cases, yes. And I, Could be, I yeah. hate this so much. Um, let's give Jeff Bezos even more power. Wow. Sure. So there, I was also reading that they're already trying this out in some Whole Foods because Amazon o- mm. owns Whole Foods. And so yes, Brie, like you can. When you're checking out, instead of, you know, scanning your fancy Apple Pay watch or whatever, like you can just scan your palm and then you're out the door and you've paid. And it's just, oh, it's so weird to me because and like the timing of this, like I feel like they're trying to make it seem like, oh, it's like a like a response to like, you know, contactless payment. And like, you know, with the pandemic, we're all moving towards more like contactless. But I don't think this is like a pandemic thing. Like, I think they've been working on this for a long time and they're like for sure. launching it now. Um, but what bothers me the most is like, yeah, where is this data being stored? Who is it being shared with? Who are they selling it to? Because we already know that like, these big corporations, anytime they get our data, they're selling it. So it's just like, what's next? Like, geez, I'm. I, there's no way I would do this. No way. Same. I have. I have so much to say about this. I because to me, this is like Amazon slowly taking over another part of our lives. Yeah. And keep making us make this choice between convenience and like risk of you know identity loss in the future. Um, but I have to say, Xandra, what did you think about uh, our experience with Amazon earlier this week? Did you even notice that it was happening? Our- that we were doing a deal with Bezos? Oh, my what? God, I know. Well, we had to order like a cable on Amazon. Is that what you're talking about, Paul? Yeah, we ordered <laughs> we a order- $6 cable, an audio cable. We ordered the wrong one. It didn't fit. You know, we biffed it. Yeah. <laughs> because that's me and Paul. Um, yeah, and okay. so we had to return the $6 cable and order a new one. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I have to, I still have to drop the cable off at like some Whole Foods in Denver because you can do Amazon returns that way, which is nice and convenient because I don't have to ship things back. But I, yeah, every time we do a deal with the devil, I, my soul like, you know, goes away. I know. A bit. I was an anti Amazon person for a really long time. And then, um, I had a baby. I was about to say, and it's that. so much easier to get things that you need yeah. delivered to your doorstep. And, and you need a lot of baby stuff. Like that's a yeah, lot of stuff but, you have to buy. But I also think about how people like had babies a hundred years ago, and they made it work. And two hundred years ago, and five hundred years ago, and it just because I get diapers delivered to my doorstep, like that's the, lazy. Well, and like the the like weird rationale that I do in my brain is like. I Amazon owns so much that I'm probably support even if I try really hard not to support them I'm still probably supporting them in some way in my life so if I have to order something from Amazon it's like well I'm already probably doing it somewhere else and I mean it's like well I could not shop at Whole Foods which like I try not to but sometimes you got to go to Whole Foods and you know it's like what's next I watch Amazon Prime videos because they got good stuff on there Here's a here's a pro tip uh, from uh, someone with a bad experience. Never look up which websites are hosted on Amazon Web Services. <laughs> oh no! You can't get away from they, it. It's See? like a third of the internet. I, I have one more thing to say about um, this Red Rocks biometric scanner. This is not the first time they've done one of these weird new tech things, and I would like to question this as a branding choice for Red Rocks. When I think about Red Rocks, I think about like a rootsy, like raw 
outdoor concert experience. Like I want to, I want to go hear someone play like analog instruments in this natural setting and feel like a little bit connected to nature and enjoy a communal experience outdoors. That's what Red Rocks is to me. Don't bring the internet into this. Like don't make me look at my phone. Don't make me interact with tech crap. I don't want any of that as part of my Red Rocks. Paul, you realize they have like giant LCD screens or LED screens that you look at when you're there too. I I respect Paul's point, but also it's like it's an AEG thing. Like it's not really a Red Rocks thing. It's Red AEG Rocks is who... technically a city-owned venue. Oh, is it? Yes. Well, okay. Anyone so, can rent it technically. Well, that's good to know. But AEG does still do the like booking and like yeah. ticket sales. And I in the article that I read about this, they were like, AEG owns so many more venues, so we plan to expand this biometric scanning to like all the other venues it owns, which is in Denver, uh, Ogden, Bluebird, Mission Ballroom. Um, Bree, help me out here. <laughs> uh, I think uh, Fiddlers. Yeah. I don't know. I can never remember between. I know it's very different between them and Live Nation. Who, who has access to what? But they are they are everywhere. They're they're a huge corporation. Yeah. Like that this controls could... a lot of our concert experiences. Yes. Right. And if if this gets picked up by all of AEG's venues, like this will seriously change how we get into shows in Denver. Yeah. Let's move on to our final segment. This is something new we're trying because uh, we just needed an excuse to talk about this. Uh, and I think we're going to be doing this again and again. It's a segment that I'm calling Glendale Minute. <laughs> there was a story out of Glendale this week that we have to talk about. Shotgun Willies was in bankruptcy. But according to a new report from Business Den, they have asked to be released from bankruptcy protections or whatever because stripping is profitable again is the pandemic over brie <laughs> is the pandemic over i mean if stripping this, this sounds so suspect to me and i will just say because i've heard from former dancers and uh other folks in the sex work community that working at shotgun willies is not great so i'm wondering how much they take like what cut they take from their dancers if they were able to come out of bankruptcy. Um, Cause I know mm. shotgun willies is the, the punchline in the sense that it's not to me, it's not a punchline because it's a strip club as much like as, as if stripping or any other form of sex work is like hilarious, but the place itself just like looks like it's a newer building and it looks like it's from another time. The sign has this limp cartoonish, uh, shotgun on it the whole thing is just bizarre and I don't yeah I don't know shotgun willies shotgun willies is sort of like the beacon of Glendale it's like when you say Glendale yes. people go oh where shotgun willies is and maybe target is the other thing and that they recognize target. if you're Which not they familiar all happen to be in the same parking lot <laughs> in the same parking lot and shotgun willies if, if you're not from or i'm sorry glendale if you're not familiar is like a, a one square mile by square mile municipality in the middle of denver that has its own municipal structure and it's uh own shotgun willies is owned by the mayor of glendale's wife so i don't know it's very Anything, anytime Shotgun Willies is in the news, you're like, oh, God, what now? Right. Well, and I'm glad you made that distinction, Brie. It's like this place 
we're not making fun of it because it's a strip joint. We're making fun of it because like Glendale and like all of its ties to like bureaucracy in Glendale. It's just so weird. It's and like there was a lawsuit um, like a couple years ago because uh, a person who was like a customer um, got in an altercation and then died, I think, in the strip club. And then his family mm-hmm. sued Shotgun Willies. And then there was a lot of rumors last year that this bankruptcy case was actually to cover up that lot, like to show like, oh, well, we're bankrupt, so we can't really pay out that much on this lawsuit. But of course, Shotgun Willies vehemently denies that and says like, no, 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 it was the pandemic. Like, they're just, it just seems shady all around. Yeah, it is. It's a very shady place. That's why we're going to talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. Paul, you live not far from Shotgun Willies. What's your take on this? Oh, I enjoy biking past, but I, I have to, I, I knew the conversation was going to go this direction and I, I have to say a couple of good things about Glendale as well, because we've talked a lot about the sleaze, which is very fun, but uh, I got a bike stolen a couple of years ago, like three years ago, uh, thought it was lost forever. I replaced it six months later, got a call from Glendale Police Department. They recovered my bike. They ran the serial number. They called me and I got my bike back. So thank you, Glendale Police, for that, you know, doing your jobs a little bit. Uh, Appreciate that. Also, they're redeveloping an area that's like 10 minute, a 10 minute ride up uh, down the creek from me uh, into a new Alamo draft house in Glendale. Did Mm. you all see that? That just got approved recently. What? I'm so excited about that. Wait, where? Because there has been some serious controversy over what they've been trying to do along Cherry Creek. Yeah, I I know what you're talking about. I don't know the details. Okay. I don't think it's the rug store. It's like a park. It's like a green area mm, and an it, office yep. building that they haven't been able to rent out. It's closer to Cherry Street. Yeah. Yep. Is that what you're talking about, Bree? Well, I was wondering because he brought up the rug store and there's a rug store on Colorado Boulevard that's owned by a family who also tried to make a presentation of like, hey, we own this land. We wanted to redevelop it into this sort of like uh, outdoor shopping restaurant thing. And the Glendale government, city government was like, no, you can't do that. We're actually going to do something in and we're going to try to eminent domain your building so we can do it ourselves. And it was this big, nasty fight. And I, I actually interviewed the family that owns the rug store and they kind of got screwed real hard by the oh. government. Um, and so that also makes me, I don't have a good taste in my mouth for Glendale. But um, farther down, I know what you're talking about, Paul. And that should be interesting. It's kind of a weird, I call it, it's the Bermuda Triangle, that that area. There's like a restaurant that's mm-hmm. like always something else. There's like Butler Rents is right there. It's like the backs of a bunch of buildings. It's not in parking lots. So more power to them to put something in there that's actually functional. Well, I think that's good for the show this week. That was so much fun. I hope you all enjoyed it as well. Um, I've got just one bit of business. Listeners, remember when we did the burger crawl back in the spring? We went and tried all those out-of-state burger chains and talked about how crappy they were compared to good times. Well, we're going to do something like that again. Uh, We're looking at breakfast burritos in Denver, and we want your opinions uh, if you have one that you think is the best that you think we absolutely have to try, let us know, uh, call our new voicemail line, leave us a message with your name and neighborhood, your pick for the f- best breakfast burrito in town. And, uh, you might hear your message on the show next week. That line is 720-500-5418. Again, that's 720-500-5418. 
I'm glad we Alaska didn't get Rockies. the new. <laughs> we didn't get the new zip code. I'm glad. Bad enough. We have a seven two zero. I know. We don't have the eight whatever. That's all for us today here on CityCast Denver. Our producers this week were me, Paul Caroli, and Xander Rickman, who you heard on the show today. Also, Natalie Rivera. Uh, Peyton Garcia writes our morning newsletter. Our music is by Los Mocochetes, with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren. Uh, if you haven't already, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us five stars. Write a review. Uh, put a joke in it. I like to laugh. Follow us on Twitter at CityCast Denver. Tell a friend about us next time you see him. And see you next week. I, I've been secretly on the show all week. <laughs> Behind the scenes. There's some heavy breathing in one episode. <laughs> That's Xandra. <if you> <laughs> Yay! <listen to> <laughs>